Hi, welcome to episode 12, or maybe 11 and a half-ish, depending on how you think about it, of Section Hiking, the Appalachian Trail podcast. I'm your host, John Eskelson, and wow, what a difference a week makes. Last week I had a cold, and my agency had just decided against traveling to California for a week, and today I am nearly a full-time teleworker. My kid's school has shut down until after Easter, and we're mostly home. And on top of that, suddenly Joe Biden is the most likely presidential nominee of the Democratic Party. I guess we're going to have lots of time for family dinners and hanging out with each other and hopefully not getting on each other's nerves. Because of the trip cancellation, I, tried, I decided to take a day of leave on Friday. Even with all the pending shutdowns, I went hiking with my friend Alex Bates. Alex is a professor of Japanese literature and cinema at Dickinson College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Originally, the plan was uh, for me to go up and attend a meeting in Philadelphia that morning, and then we were going to meet halfway between Philly and Carlisle and do a section of the Mason-Dixon Trail. It's a 200-mile-long trail from basically Carlisle, Pennsylvania to Brandywine, Delaware, along the Delaware border. Um, but with everything shut down... Uh, we didn't, I didn't need to go to Philadelphia anymore, so I just came up to Carlisle, and we did a 12-mile section of the Appalachian Trail. I don't know why we hadn't thought of doing that previously, but it was really fun. And before I go further, I need to make sure I send a shout-out thanking his wife, Amy, for permitting him to uh, take time to hang out with me, as well as my wife, Emily, to, to let her, uh, thanking her to, for letting me go as well. It's really nice to having supportive spouses that uh, let let boys like us uh, play in the woods. But a little bit more about this section hike. Uh, we start in Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. Um, there's a bridge there that you cross that takes you into agricultural fields. We crossed those fields and climbed up the hill to the Center Point Knob, which is the historical center of the Appalachian Trail. It felt cool, but also a little weird, as this was my first real section hike on the trail, but it was fun to see it. We dropped down off the knob and scooted across the valley that led up to the Alec Kennedy sh shelter. Uh, we then uh, we made the shelter area a very good time and simply moved on, climbing the hill towards an overlook that in the spring and summer is filled with rhododendrons and blueberry bushes. Alas, this early in the year, it was still pretty barren, although we could see um, bursts of green starting to come out of the ground. From there, we came down and crossed Whiskey Creek Spring, which is where we refilled our water. Uh, we then climbed up to, uh, Rocky Ridge, which is one of the main reasons uh, many hikers apparently called Pennsylvania Rocksylvania, and took a gander at some really large boulders that are frequented by um, you know, boulders or rock climbers. And, and then uh, and then we hiked along there. And just before we descended, we found a camping spot and set up for the night. So, you know, in about three hours of hiking, we left about, we started around three o'clock, just before three o'clock in the afternoon. We went six and two thirds mile, miles and uh, finished the night at six o'clock. Once we got up top, it was really fun. I mean, we 
there were a couple fire pits that we found that were previously used and we lit ourselves a fire um, and made dinner set up camp and just hung out we kept it appropriate distance from each other in case either one of us had something but uh you know it was a really cool evening in this uh, kind of fairly rocky area it was a bit gusty and so towards about 9 30 10 o'clock it got pretty pretty cold um it dropped down into the 30s with the wind chill um but we had a pretty good night all in all um I cooked with uh, my Pocket Rocket uh, MSR stove, and it worked fine. I'll go into that a little bit more in a few minutes. Um, Alex had this this BioLite um, wood fire stove, and it's pretty darn cool. I really uh, was impressed by that. Um, you know, it, I don't know how many people who listen to this podcast know much about BioLite, but um, you get a fire going and then really you have a battery with a fan on it that just kind of keeps a continued presence of air that blows the fire hot and just gets it so it works pretty well. Anyway, we did that and hung out um, and then the next morning we ate breakfast, broke down camp, then hiked to where I left my car. Now at that point we are about eight and a half miles uh, in distance and we realized that you know, we didn't, you know, because we hiked nearly seven or six and a half um, the night before, you know, that was, that would be pretty short. And so what we decided to do is uh, we dropped our packs and hiked two and a half additional miles along the AT to Route 34 through the, I believe you call it the Michaud State Forest. At Route 34, we walked back to the car, got in, and then drove to Chubby's Barbecue in Emmitsburg, Maryland for lunch which was delicious. I highly recommend the burnt ends. But that was our day. Um, that was our that was our camp. It was about about 10 mile 10 and a half miles total of, of trail time and across about six hours of hiking. Our plan is to probably take another overnighter in a couple weeks and do another section uh, moving out from Route 34 through Pine Grove Forest State Park along the AT, which would be another 13 or so miles. We'll have to figure out the details and the logistics for that and figure out how we're going to approach it. And I'll post some pictures that I took on the Instagram feed as I continue to, the process of posting the gear I plan to use and the reasons for it. But first, uh, we're gonna take a couple brief words from our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to the rest of the episode. We are sponsored today by the Committee to Restore America's National Parks. This is an advocacy group for everyday people who want to convince Congress to eliminate the $12 billion maintenance backlog in our national parks. Please go to their website and support them at www.RestoreAmericasNationalParks.org. What I'd like to do with the rest of today's episode is to go through and assess how everything worked what worked well, what was so-so, and where where uh, are some areas where improvements can be made. Now, if you've listened to previous podcasts, what I'm about to say is that some of the plans that I made kind of sucked, and some of the thoughts of what I thought would work don't actually work very well. And so, you know, 
what, I can't remember what they say. The best laid plans don't meet contact with the trail or first contact with the enemy, to paraphrase a quote. So let's just uh, get into it. So my plan is to break everything down by system. Um, I'll start with the shelter and sleep systems. And then, uh, you know, these first couple things actually worked out pretty well. Um, the Nemo Hornet, um, which is my tent, it was great. It was my first night out in it. It was really clear with gusty winds, and that drove the temperature down, down as I mentioned earlier. But I was able to stay pretty protected inside the tent, and I was really happy with how the tent performed. Uh, there were a couple of features that I found as I was setting it up. Um, this time I'd set it up a couple times in the backyard just to practice. That made me happy too. Um, there's some little stays that push the netting out so it, it keeps further away from me and toward the poles, uh, along with some Velcro straps that keep the poles from going askew when the wind blows really hard. This kind of kept it all together, um, and it was fairly quick and easy to set up. Um, it has a, essentially a single Y-shaped pole that goes from the back end to the front end. The front end is a bit narrower than the back, um, and, it, and it held up really well. Next, uh, my Thermomrest Neo Extherm Light was also really good. It cushioned me and kept me off of the cold ground. Nothing more to say. It's a really good pad. Finally, this is my first night in the REI Igneo 17, and I stayed pretty warm. Um, there was a point when I did get cold, um, but I just grabbed a different layer. Um, it, the wind was blowing so hard throughout the night that it was, it was a little bit hard um, at some point. Um, just wearing a, a long sleeve long sleeve t-shirt was insufficient um, at one point in the evening. The pillow worked fine. It's just a cheapie from Decathlon. It weighs three ounces, nothing special, but it kept my head off the ground and, and kept it from getting too cold. And here's what was weird. As I mentioned briefly, it was a clear night and the moon rose high into the sky, which was beautiful. Um, it also was really bright and lit everything up, um, and it woke me up. So I ended up having to uh, crouch down into the sleeping bag and cinch it up um, to keep the light out. So while the bag was fine and the tent worked well, the light kept me awake. And so, you know, that was really not ideal. I think we'll, I'll try to maybe bring a sleep mask in the future and also some earplugs. We could also hear trains in the distance and, you know, the occasional, like an occasional motorcycle. I was, it was really odd. It was like two in the morning and there was someone riding a dirt bike around down in some of the roads below where we were. Anyway, a mask and earplugs would have made sleeping uh, better, I believe. Next up, cooking systems. All right. This is my first time using the MSR Pocket Rocket 2. Um, I usually use um, a Jetboil uh, Minimo, and I love it. Um, but the Pocket Rocket was great. It was fast and easy to use. Um, the wind was blowing pretty hard most of the night, and I felt like I needed to protect it as much as possible to protect the flame, but it really wasn't necessary. The only thing I noticed is that you can't... It packs up, kind of folds up into itself a little bit to make it smaller. And you can't really turn it off. You can't really, the on-off kind of uh, lever doesn't turn all the way off when you pack it down. 
So that needs to happen when setting up before screwing uh, the stove part onto the fuel canister. I used an open fuel canister of jet boil fuel and that worked fine. And I relied on my titanium toke 750 pot and titanium light my fire spork. Both worked really well. I was also pleasantly surprised with the meals that I cooked. Um, as I mentioned previously, I am a big fan of dehydrating your own food. And so what I brought with me was um, basically three sets of meals, meal type foods. Um, the first set of food was was for kind of on the trail hiking. So there was some mixed nuts, some peanut M&Ms, some protein bars for the day. Um, and then at night for dinner, I had a bowl of uh, dehydrated chili that I rehydrated. And I added into it a serving of couscous, which, um, which was about a little under a half a cup. Um, I think I might go a little bit lower next time to a third of a cup. It, was, it turned out really delicious and filling, and I'm very happy with how everything came out. Uh, for breakfast, I had some quick-cooked oatmeal um, with about 15 grams of protein powder and some brown sugar mixed in, mixed in. I've never loved oatmeal, but I can get through it. And I'm thinking about the next time... Um, adding some powdered mix milk into the mix, um, and then maybe some nuts. Um, hopefully the powdered milk will make it a little less gluey, um, and the nuts will make it the texture and the mouth feel, <laughs> to quote Boyle from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, you know, the texture uh, feel better. But in all, it was fine. I mean, I was able to eat out of my Tokes cup the entire time, which was really cool. I brought, um, I have these two silicone bowl cup combo that's really light at five and a half ounces, but it still took up some space and weight in my pack. Um, I feel really comfortable with leaving these behind next time, no matter how much I actually like them. I think I'm also going to simplify my seasoning kit, which has three little one and a half ounce bottles to one. It's not like it's going to be a huge difference, but it isn't necessary for what I'm going to bring with me. Mostly just need some salt and pepper to kind of uh, liven things up a little bit. And then last, with regard to kind of cooking system type stuff, uh, my water filtration system worked pretty good. I used, as I had planned, my platypus to fill up um, with water at Whiskey Creek, and then I filtered it through the Sawyer Mini into my two smart water bottles. Uh, water, the one thing I did notice on this trail is that water was surprisingly scarce. And as I looked at the next part of the trail, it's similarly really haphazard as to when water comes and when it doesn't. And so that will be an interesting thing to plan for as we think through the logistics of the next piece of the trail. Um, I also would note that, which was, you know, not very good is I probably didn't drink enough water while I was hiking, um, so while the function of the filtration system worked well, and it was pretty light and was, went as planned, my use of the water was insufficient for what my need was, which was less than ideal. Moving on to accessories, there's a lot of them. Um, 
So let's let's talk about a couple things that didn't get used, which is kind of a good thing. My first aid kit didn't need to get used, um, except for some ibuprofen I used for my knee that I knew I'd need I would need to have. My knee tends to bother me after I hike on it for a long time. I also didn't need, and I'm grateful for this, the repair kit either. The one area I had some concern was the big bag full of, it wasn't big, it weighed about five ounces total, but uh, the bag full of toiletry items and odds and ends. Uh, the most used item in my pack turned out to be, I don't want to say it's the most used, but one of the, the most used toiletry item in my pack was my, uh, was my, um, trowel, the deuce number two, which is really light and, and handy. Um, I had to dig it out and we used it to kind of clean up the fire pit that we had used, um, to dig, you know, make sure that we had put the fire out completely. And then I used the deuce to dig a hole for myself in the morning. Um, I brought some mini tissues, which is, you know, kind of a toilet paper type item. I'll have a link to where you can find them from Amazon, and it worked just fine as toilet paper. Uh, these these uh, toilet paper things are really small, like a coin, and when you add some water to it, the paper expands into about a 6 by 8 inch biodegradable cloth. Everything worked well in that. I guess the biggest challenge was just keeping all these uh, little small... Um, amounts of items that I knew I may need organized and without making it complicated, which I'm less effective at. And that proved harder than I thought it would. But I'm grateful for the opportunity to learn a bit more about how I should organize things. The other thing that was toiletry related that didn't work out so well um, was I forgot to bring contact lens solution. I was supposed to bring go buy a travel size bottle um, on my way up to Pennsylvania, and there, and I just forgot. Um, there's an argument out there that wearing contacts is stupid on the trail, but I knew it was going to be a sunny day and it was going to be fairly warm. And what I wanted to do was wear some sunglasses. I didn't want to wear my regular glasses, so. Um, when I took out my contact lenses for the night, I realized I didn't have my saline solution at that point, and so I stored them in some filtered water, and I wore my glasses the second day. Um, I thought to myself, well, I have these little goob, these little, uh, what are they called? These, these little um, one and a quarter fluid ounce squeeze tubes. Um, that I picked up at REI, and they work good with things like oils and things with a little bit of viscosity to it, like a little thickness to it. Um, so creams and oils and stuff like that. So I, in one of them I had on this trip, um, some olive oil to put in with a couscous for dinner. Um, I was going to take, I took one and I that was clean, and I filled it up with uh, saline solution in order to use that as a um, as a practice so I wouldn't need to buy because I have a couple big bottles of saline solution already and, and I just need a little container and I was trying to use what I already have and it turns out that these little squeeze tubes are not good for saline solution 
um, basically you just when when the pressure is such that it squeezes all of it out nearly all of it out on the first try and you get saline solution all over the ba bathroom which was you know it's not terrible but it's not what I really want um, the next thing that I want to bring up is the use of my phone. I still use an iPhone 6 and while the phone itself functioned fine, um, when I put it into airplane mode, I dimly lit the screen and put it on low power mode, it still used about 28% of the battery over the course of an afternoon. That's a lot and that's frustrating. Um, fortunately, I brought an anchor battery with me and it kept it charged uh, through the night and it was fine. Um, I also have an Apple Watch 3 to keep track of my time and distance hiking, and that also worked pretty well, but again, the battery drained pretty quickly. Um, dadgummit. I need to figure out ways to keep both those items from losing so much juice so quickly. I might just need to eventually, eventually move up to a newer phone, and I may just switch to an analog field watch and keep better track uh, on my map as opposed to on my watch how far I go. I do like the data that I'm able to uh, keep track of on the phone itself. This brings me to the last section of uh, items I want to talk about which are items that did not perform as I hoped. And there's two big categories. Um, the first was some of my clothing and then Next, uh, last but not least, um, my uh, my backpack. Um, so I wore during the day a Nike dry t-shirt. Um, I had Prana stretch Zion pants, REI wool socks, um, Ultra Lone Peak 4.5 uh, trail runners with an REI Moreno wool quarter zip on Friday. And that worked pretty well. Um, they were good, good during the day. They kept me pretty warm as it got dark and the shoes worked fine, uh, when they were tightly tied. And the only problem with the ultras is that when they got loose, if the laces got loose, they moved, my feet were able to move too much and became sloppy, which wasn't really good on the rocky ground. Um, that was not ideal. And so I had to make sure that I kept my shoelaces tight so that they fit well. Um, my sleep clothing was generally okay, except the wind made it pretty chilly. Normally, um, normally the Patagonia uh, long sleeve shirt that I wear is more than sufficient, but the wind was, you know, the wind chill was pretty strong, and so it, I, I was a little cold in the night and uh, had to put on my uh, merino quarter zip. I had also an REI synthetic puffy jacket I've owned for several years. And it was really not very good in the cold, even around the campfire. And that was not good. I should have opted for my Patagonia R3 hoodie, but that's heavier than the jacket. Um, and I think I would have been better off using the, my Merino wool quarter zip plus my rain jacket, which I didn't use at all on this trip. Um, it's, and the reason being is that not only is it mostly waterproof, it's, it wets out, but it's pretty windproof as well. So what I'm thinking about modifying is I got to figure out what I need to bring for insulation 
um, that I would normally use for my puffy. And then usually wear my rain jacket on top of that, on top of that insulating layer, um, which will keep the wind out. Anyway, we'll see how that works. That I'm not very happy with at all. Uh, second, as I've mentioned also, uh, previously my organization wasn't very good. You'd think that because I use a Golight Jam 35 liter pack, which really only has two big pockets plus two side pockets, there wouldn't be very much room to leave and be disorganized in. Uh, this is all obviously on me and my willingness to put different things in different sacks because frankly, that's what I was dealing with at the time. So I need to practice keeping everything organized and together. And then going to the pack itself, I mean the pack is a good pack. It's, a, it's easy to wear, it's lightweight, and it held everything just fine. The problem is, is that I'm nearly six foot three inches tall. I weigh 240 pounds and my clothing especially tends to be relatively big and is not as compactable as I would like. I pretty much fill up the entire space of the pack um, with my base items which totaled approximately 14 pounds. I know that there's stuff in there that I can reduce um, in terms of my weight um, and I know it's possible to go lighter but it's less the weight and more the bigness of my items that really kind of bothers me. When you wear large and extra large clothing, um, at least for now, it's, it's hard to have it packed down really small. This is something I hope to remedy over time as we go forward, but until then, um, and especially before my big hike in April, I don't think that's going to be possible. So that means one of two things. Either I need to find a way to create space within my pack or I need to leave items at home. Um, so I'm just going to have to go in the next two weeks and figure out and adjust how I pack things for the next, uh, next uh, shakedown hike in a couple weeks. Like I said at the start, so long as um, I kept my distance from my, my buddies, I don't think that there's any better way to keep away from coronavirus than going into the backwoods. All right, and this brings me to my last area, um, which is my physical and mental preparation for the trip. My, feel, my legs felt fine generally. Um, I've definitely gotten strong enough to do a 12-mile hike without or 10, well, it's 12 miles of total hike, but 10 miles of distance on the trail. Um, I noticed that some of my tendons and ligaments um, would like some additional stretching before and after after um, I hike, and I'll, I'll need to work on that. Uh, mentally, it was fine. I enjoyed walking with Alex. Um, we had our maps. We knew where we were the whole time, and we knew where the car was, and there really wasn't any there's just a nice joy. Um, one of the things I really like about hiking with my, my friend Alex is that he really has this desire just to wander to wherever it goes. He doesn't really care where we end up and was surprised that we had hiked actually six and a quarter, six and two thirds miles on that first day. He didn't realize we had gone so far. So overall, it was a good trip. There are some things that I would change and some of those things may need to wait until there's really a good sale. Um, I need to figure out what I'm going to do. Uh, what I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to need to figure out what I'm going to leave behind on my next trip and how I can free up space in my pack. If I can't free up sufficient space, I'll have to go with my bigger Deuter 65 liter pack, which will add a whole lot of space, but it will also make me feel, I have a tendency to pack 
things that I don't need when I have more space. Um, plus the Golite is 1.8 pounds, the Deuter is 4.2 pounds. It's just less weight to carry. And although the Deuter is a beast of a pack that I love, um, the smaller pack forces me to pack lighter than I otherwise would. Well, that's it for me today. I hope it that you've enjoyed this episode. Um, please check us out on Twitter or on Instagram at section underscore hiking underscore the underscore AT for pictures and descriptions. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice. We'd love to hear your feedback and whatever recommendation that you'd have for our gear choices. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you again next week.